0: Everyone and welcome to the American Scouts podcast. I am your host as always, Timuchin in a nice balmy Chicago over here. And with us this week is
1: Galley. As always, Galley, what's happening? No complaints here. Uh, warm weather, Western Massachusetts. So uh, I guess I guess global warming's working.
0: <laughs> uh, greeting from your trivia guy in Florida says BJ. Due to Bickler not beer, Bickler is not here with us, uh, as part of our Uh, american scouts for sustainability act uh he's taking the train instead of the plane so he is late and he is not going to make it uh we could not take the plane we're trying to win this award that premier league hands out so we'll start with that conversation actually uh all joking aside uh bickler has all the boys uh who so uh not going to be able to join us live today even though it would be hilarious to have a podcast episode uh with three boys in the background. Probably more entertaining
1: to be honest. That,
0: that would be, be honestly made. we
1: would just shut our cameras off and we would just watch
0: the Victor household in action. It's like a live sitcom uh, watching. So that that would definitely be more entertaining goes without saying. Uh but yeah, he will be back with us again next Monday as we talk about even more victories. Victory Mondays are back, so we'll talk about the game a little bit Moving forward, but let's start with the sustainability thing. Obviously, we won the award for this—the greenest Premier League team—but a huge hoopla over us taking the freaking plane instead of the train in a day, where we're gonna play again in two days. So two hours is probably golden.
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with this. Um, I've said this before, right? I'm a Boston Red Sox fan. I've dealt with this ownership group even longer than than they've been associated with Liverpool Football Club. So I feel like I understand these people. And what they love to do is FSG loves a PR campaign and they love a victory lap. So last year, they actually touted themselves the greenest club in all of England. Like they actually advertised it themselves and ran a whole PR campaign about how they were gonna win the sustainability award and how they were going to be the first club i i believe they signed on for a pact in europe which means they have to be like net zero carbon by like 2040 and have like a 10 percent decrease by like 2030 of like a, a zero carbon footprint right and they are well on their way They've also been going out telling everyone how they're going to do it by like 2025 when everyone else is looking to do it by 2030. And then they jump on a fucking plane in Newcastle and come home and wonder why people don't jump down their throat. So the funny part to me is I don't think this is a problem, to be fair. I mean, let's be honest. In America, people take private jets between Boston and New York When they're yeah. playing a baseball game <laughs> Like they, <laughs> It's like a helicopter <laughs> And then they fly they fly One player back So he can yeah. get extra rest at home To get ready for a home match And they're like but you just flew a private jet That you're going to send back to pick everyone up You like literally sent up a jet of, For like 50 people For one guy and they're like well it's team plane Fuck you What part of team plane don't you understand, but that's America, right? It's not that way over there. So the only reason I give some credence to it is one ownership and management has touted this as like a great thing. And they like, when you bang your chest, you leave room for arrows to be slung at it is one. And two, the crazy ass part is all of this started with our supporters talking shit on social media. This wasn't random people calling them out. Our supporters on Twitter were tweeting at the club which required the club to respond to it. So once again, I always say like it's that sm- it's the loud small group inside the big group that always causes attention to things you don't want. And this is a prime example. A small group are against our own club and brought it up, and now it's a story they have to answer to. It's kind of silly, to be honest. It which obviously feels like a- they
0: answered saying, hey, you know, uh, blame it on Premier League for putting this game there where, you know, we're going to play again on Tuesday, which makes sense. I mean, here's the thing. You can be the greenest team and make the most efforts. I mean, you're not going to totally say i mean should they ride bikes because that would be even better than the train wouldn't it or they could walk fucking back home i mean that would be even less you know so obviously in some form or fashion they have to get back and you have to kind of like make i guess in some ways ends up being a business decision and the part that kills me is when it comes from the fan base this is basically i think vintage and i don't blame fsg for this i mean it's a good initiative that as a club we should be proud of right and you know yep. what they're why they're doing it the pr whatever regardless it's a good initiative that we should be proud of and but it's within limits instead of just to be against fsg it's so easy to be anti fsg unfortunately right so now you can harp on this and say why do they take the plane even though you probably know why they took the plane but if they didn't take the plane right if they took the train and took three hours, and then God forbids Like Henderson can't make a sprint in like the 67th minute on Tuesday, it would be like, well, they're dicking around with the sustainability thing. If they took the plane, they'd be rested, and Henderson can run. So it's almost like win-win. You can't lose if you're anti-FSG.
1: Yeah, and I don't even know if it's anti-FSG. In this case, it's just anti-the club. This isn't about the owners. Well, what yeah, are the owners who like put them the on a plane? Arrow is
0: meant for you know. Arrow oh, of course.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen. Every arrow is slung at the Americans. I mean, that's basically is like the easiest thing you can do is like, hey, got an idea? Let's stake up the Americans. Like, and it it doesn't really. And I'm sure we'll talk at some point about selling the club and ownership and where this will go next. Um, but for them right now, it just feels like this was an opportunity where the club needed to make sure they were ready to play. And the league wanted Liverpool versus Newcastle on their prime Saturday night viewing. And they moved the match up. That match should have been a lunchtime kickoff. If not, it should have been a second lunchtime kickoff. So they had extra time to get ready. Hell in other countries, they would have moved the match to Friday to try to support, No, they would have moved the match yeah. to support their club doing better in the Champions League, but not in England. And I, I kind of in some levels give them credit for that. They make it fair for everyone. They say like, hey, our TV rights are more important than Europe's. So yeah. if if you know we pick this game, our TV people pay a lot of money. PT pays a lot of money to air that primetime match. And they want Newcastle Liverpool and they have a right to pick it. They're going to pick it. Yeah. Liverpool make it work. And then Liverpool said, all right, we'll make it work. We're getting on a goddamn airplane. We're taking a 33-minute flight instead of a, what? I think it was a three-hour. It was going to be a three-hour caravan bus trip. And instead, it was a 33-minute flight. Good for I them. Mean,
0: it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you're given those options with the situation on hand, it's a freaking no-brainer. And like I say, I, I had not even heard of it initially this morning, but then Mateusz, uh, the Polish prince brought it up in our... Uh, morning coffee show as one of the headlines and we're just like it's just like it's silly and like complaining like that is a win-win like i say i mean it's just like otherwise they would just wait till tuesday and say how come these guys are not rested and sort of dicking around with sustainability we should be chasing trophies and stuff like that so there's no way to win that the good news is These people will have to be doing this for uh, more, looks like, because let's talk about this before we get to the game and cover kind of like all the headlines kind of ordeal. That's not it, but we can talk about the logo as well. But let's talk about this. Uh, Liverpool now won't be sold, says John Henry. Just need some monies uh, to (laughs) like fund stuff and all that is basically what it boils down to. So let me ask you this. Do you think this is because this is what they wanted all along? Uh, but had the bonus of gauging interest and seeing how much stuff is worth? Or is it just a simple fact of the realtor came in and said, hey, if you guys did some curbside appeal, got like a midfield or something, uh, in three years, you guys can get this much for it. So in the long run, the investment is better. Which way do you go on it?
1: So I would go on the first one, but I think it's somewhere in between. Hear me out. Um, And I'll try to get there quick, I promise. (laughs) <laughs> and the reason I say it like that, no, but the reason I say it like that is there is a, there's kind of a backstory to it is, is I don't actually believe the playing, the playing talent on the pitch is not as important as the infrastructure to like a quality club when it comes to the evaluation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think United is worth more today because they look a better side because Marcus Rashford's the best striker right now in the world like I don't actually think that they're worth more than they were in the summer when they had what people thought was one of the best strikers in the world and they were looked like a train wreck on the pitch you know what I mean like I think it's more about youth development your stadium the v- evaluations the player development coaching and I do think contracts have to do with it so I think having books balanced and having things in good order makes you more valuable So I don't know that if we a
0: little bit on the buyer as well, in terms of what you're looking to buy, do you want to buy a smoother operation or do you want the challenge of a cleanup? You know what I mean?
1: I I think that does. And I think, you know, if you're that buyer from Qatar, right, you're like, well, am I really worried if they already bought Bellingham? If I really want them, I'll buy them myself. Like, I think there's the mentality. If you're coming in with that kind of money, you'll clean, you'll buy the players you need. What you can't do is rebuild the stadium Build marketing dollars. You can't you can't just automatically in well, unless you're city and you just cook the books. Like I think you're being proven right now that if you do that, you'll get your hand slapped. So if you're gonna buy this, you have to do it right. And I actually believe that FSG went into this looking for investment. I think then they hurt, started to hear it's like when you put your house up for sale or like you start talking to a realtor about your house and then you start hearing those crazy ass offers and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Someone's willing to pay 400 grand for this piece of shit. Like I'm going to sell this for that. And I think that's what started to happen. But then none of those offers came in at the level that they were hearing they would.
0: You think the city thing has a like a something to do with it where, you know, some of these guys are like, hey, it's going to get trickier or these guys are gonna find ways of going around it anyway. When I, there's the way
1: there's a the way. I genuinely believe these guys went to sell this club because Newcastle got bought by Oil Money. They heard United was gonna sell, and they were like, it was one thing trying to compete with one of them. We can't compete with three of them. And Chelsea okay. and our like before you know it, and, and let's be honest, this isn't the last bit of Middle Eastern money that's coming into the Premier League. It's basically going to be American hedge funds or oil money from here on out. I mean, they say that basically that Sir David or Sir, whatever his name is, I think it's David Radcliffe, the one English billionaire that wants to buy United, but even he can't get near their valuation. They say he's like the last guy in Great Britain that could actually afford a football team outside of the royal family. Like, it's just the money's astronomical at this point. And if these oil nations and sovereign wealth funds are just going to keep coming in and buying up clubs and spending the way they do and skirting around financial fair play until one of them is took to task and there's real reform, then how could a small group of American owners, and that's what they are. They're not rich men. They're really doing this on like a moderate budget. They're more like businessmen. Yeah. Correct. And you know he he's done a great job managing a hedge fund making a lot of money and he's you know gotten through quite a few recessions actually and and allowed himself to keep building but i just don't see it happening without major investment i'm hoping he takes actually i'm hoping he takes like oil money takes a minority stake in the club that allows for investment of somewhat unlimited resources because it's probably what's needed to get injected because the whole red bird and all these different like areas coming in with like venture capital money, like ain't nobody coming in with two, three, four hundred million that the club needs in pure injection of cash.
0: You think though, like a dude from Qatar or wherever, like a rich shake wants to own just 10% of it. I think when these, like when an American ownership buys it, it is more of a business transaction it's more of an investment and yeah they might have the passion for it but at the end of the day it is a business to them more than anything else yep I feel like when you have an owner from Middle East or like a billionaire coming in it's more of a toy project you know you might get a sports car this guy buys a Premier League club and plays with that for example uh you know Ryan Reynolds can afford Wrexham. This guy can afford, you know, Newcastle. So I almost feel like, you know, like that's why I don't know if they're going to get from that side of the world just a 10% interest because I would think those people would want more say in terms of what's going to happen.
1: So I I, a feeling. I'm just throwing this out there. No, no. And I don't disagree with you on that. Where I do, where I think is, is they didn't become that rich by not reading the market. There are 20 Premier League clubs. There are five that people in the Middle East really want to own. Right? One of those being... Liverpool football club. In terms and of probably
0: boosting your ego. Yeah, let's make that just, seven or something like that. But I know so, what you're saying. Yes, yes.
1: I guess my point is there's only so many jobs. Like it's like when people say, like, why did that guy take this manager's job? There's like there's fucking 20 of them, man. Someone offered you one. You say no, like, like, I loved when people, you say like, I can't believe the guy took the Clippers job. It's like, there's fucking 20 jobs, man. You take it when it's available. Yeah. And, uh, I mean,
0: here's the thing, especially for managers and stuff, you know, one, one year you're like the really highly sought after the next future kid. Next year you're an idiot. I mean, so well, you never know. you got to hit like wild dinosaurs.
1: <laughs> and where my brain is going there is, is, I don't think that they would want to own 25% of Liverpool Football Club, right? Yeah. But I do believe if they ever wanted to own Liverpool Football Club and the owners aren't willing to sell, the easiest way to become the 100% owner is to first own 25% of it.
0: I guess, yeah. True, true. I see what you're saying, yeah.
1: And and now you're your investing more. In <laughs> in, well, and you're investing in what you're planning to like. And I do believe, you know, to your point, maybe it's fix it up and and put more on it. Maybe it's build another big stand. Maybe it's win a few more big titles. See where the market goes. If the club is worth three and a half billion today, and they want four billion to sell it, right? Because that's arguably about what you hear. It's worth yeah. about three and a half. But of course, they want more to get out Yeah. Well, if they get four or five hundred million dollars worth of investment, they continue to rebuild Anfield. They improve the playing staff. They improve the trophies and they move themselves up in the like world level of football. Well, now they get the four and a half, five billion they want. Yeah. And they already have a 25 percent stake owner who has the money to buy it.
0: Yeah. And I so, think, yeah, those can go hand in hand that way. Because I think, I really think part of it is that. I mean, there are not so many, you know, people are not tripping over each other buying it. I know Alan is mentioning, you know, uh, borrowing money. But I don't think these dudes from Qatar really borrow money at the end of the day. Pretty either. sure they just but, print that shit. Yeah, they just send a couple of guys with wheelbarrows back there. And they're like, blow that they shit up just...
1: and bring it back. <laughs> well, they, they go somewhere and they're like, so um this land that you used to have, it was your family's for years. It's ours now. <laughs> we're going to put that's, this drill in it and the clamp just told like, us the clamp just told us we got rich <laughs> like <laughs> that's all i can imagine is uh, billy bob went out shooting and found that black gold
0: so I think, you know, it does go hand in hand. I think like what you're saying has a point, And I think they're looking at the situation and saying, you know, hey, you built these new sites, you're going to be showing a lot more income in the next few years because of the new stand and stuff like that. You built this infrastructure and, you know, you're looking to build actually even more like buying the land back for like the women's team and stuff like that. You're looking to do more. So I think that will only add to the value of it. And, yeah, maybe if you get that investor, you're like, hey, man, we're looking to sell. You want to buy the rest of this kind of a deal? And I can see that, too. I'm overall happy with this deal, I have to say, Uh, just because, man, I am really torn about. I would love to just go out and get this guy and get that guy and get this guy and stuff like that and, like, have a bunch of shiny toys. I think any fan would. I don't think a fan who says, no, I don't want my club spending money. It's full of it. Uh, you want them spending money, but you want to spend them wisely at, at the same time. But I, I, as much as I will love that, it just would not feel right. We talked about this in the past in terms of where the money is coming from and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm torn on it because at the same time, like, I, I don't know how these guys made their money. Like, there is you show me oh, a millionaire. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, we talk about it all the time. Like, I just, I don't. I don't want it to be brought into the whole socially political charge that happened like in the world cup. Like that's what I don't want. I don't want there to be that level of connection to something I feel is like one of the clean things in my life. Like I'm a salesperson. Like my job isn't always clean. (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I do a good job. I'm an ethical person, but I work with, people that are great and i work with people that are shady right like everybody does that's part of business i don't want that in my football like my football club that's one of the things that's always made it easy being a liverpool supporter is i felt like the club was usually aligned with the right things and even when they get brought into bad things they usually make right by it and i don't want to ever question that with who the owners are or why yeah, I mean, that's why,
0: I mean, let's face it, I mean, especially for older farts like us, it, it is harder because this sport, I mean, sport in general, I guess, uh, used to be a lot more... Uh, what what's the word you use? Clean? Uh, is that the word you used? Uh, like overall yeah. pure? I think is the word you use, which is the perfect word. Yep. I think in the past, I think it was what, but whatever there is money, that purity slowly disappears, and obviously there's a lot of freaking money on this, so you're still finding to see that f- like balance, and that's what I would want to see from FSG too, that balance in you know, um, <laughs> Matheus says newest headline: American Scouts was fan you show. Hosted by two dirty salesmen. Yes. And as it's you not that far it's not, actually, that's not that far off. It's not
1: actually that far off. Might be the best headline <laughs> we've ever, might be the best headline we ever had.
0: But I think, yeah, that's what I would like FSG to do in terms of like finding that balance of spending uh, while still, yeah, I understand it has to run like a business and have to make smart decisions. But you got to be able to say, you know, yes, we got to spend, and it feels like this summer is what they're looking for and going for. That's what all the rumors are, at least in terms of like how much they're going to allocate to like spending. I guess we will find that out down the road. But as of saying two hundred million, yes, that's they what keep- the two hundred million is the number I heard. But then half of that is Bellingham, isn't it?
1: No, they're saying though it's two hundred million, not counting outcomes. It's a two hundred million dollar transfer. Like they're giving him two hundred million treasure chest. plus yeah. outgoings. So once you, you sell won, off, really,
0: I mean, I, I, yeah, like... I guess you, unless you do something like that. But I, I don't know. Like I feel like, and you know, we'll talk about it now. Like as we go into the game and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, there are some key pieces that you need to replace. But if you look at it overall. It's not like you need 500 million anyway, I think. so, But let's get to the game, uh, yeah. talk a little bit about that, and then obviously we'll talk about the Champions League game that's going to be happening tomorrow. So let's start with this first. Um, so when the lineup came out, uh, basically uh, second verse, same as the first. Uh, Van Dyke coming in for Joe Matip. I think that was something like we discussed. I was happy to see, I don't know what you thought, but I was happy to see Gomez on that side purely for speeds again sounds like maximum and you know even then they kind of like struggled containing him at times and I think it would have been only worse with Matip about there so I was kind of happy to see that uh what did you think of the lineup as it's like basically comes out i I think Front three was the only one that where we felt major decisions had to be made
1: yeah i i I think that the midfield kind of picked itself um I was I was one of the ones who was just saying it didn't matter who started, whether Gomez or Matip started. I thought the other one would start midweek in Madrid, and I'll, I guess I'll tip off my hand here. I I do expect Matip to probably start uh, against Real Madrid. I could be totally wrong, and he may go with the exact same lineup. But I, Gomez made sense from a speed standpoint. I don't have any faith in either of them right now. Uh, Just keep counting down the days for Kanate to come back and start pairing with Virgil again. Um, But the front three was a little bit of a surprise that he didn't do any rotation. I thought with both Bobby and Jota getting a little time under their belt, maybe one of them would get a start uh, in this matchup. But again, I've been saying all day on discord, I expect Bobby to start tomorrow. Again, another tip off of what my lineups will be for tomorrow. But, <laughs> but the reason behind that is, is I just, you know, I think you, in those big matches we've seen you <clears throat> go with his big players and that's what Bobby is. But for me, this was perfect because the midfield for the second match in a row looked like an actual serviceable midfield. And it isn't just because they played half the match against 10 men. They actually dominated that area of the pitch well before the, you know, Pope got sent off.
0: Yeah. Cause the, there was like an initial four or five minutes of shakiness where you need Ali to kind of like save you a few times and control the game. And then as we warmed up into the game and the goals started coming, then the red card comes. But yeah, overall, I felt like the midfield, this could be the midfield moving forward. And that's why I was kind of like happy to see all those subs being made earlier than we're used to. Because that's going to be the key, I think, is keeping legs. Because, I mean, I don't see a lot of names that you can put in here where they can do the same job. So that brings us to the other question. Why do you think this... And here's the thing. And this is like a topic we wanted to talk to. Uh, Shelton says, no Tiago, the entire perspective changes. So let me ask you this. Is it the fact that it's no Thiago that's making a difference? Or is it really? And I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his and what he brings because it's so underrated. Is it just the presence of a better in form, not in form maybe, but at least not out of form Jordan Henderson being there on the right hand side of the field to kind of, clean up that mess where he can help trends and Mo plays a lot better when Henderson is out there.
1: So I'm going to, I'm going to start with no, but I'm going to, I'm going to preface it to, to the why. So the no is it's not the improvement. Isn't down to a better, slightly more rested or healthier Jordan Henderson because Henderson was this rested in playing at this form earlier this year. But at the same time, him and Fabinho were required to play with Thiago, playing like Thiago plays. Thiago's stature has slowly taken more and more control of the overall play of the midfield, I believe, since he got here. And it's been a slow burn. And I do believe that there is kind of like a sycophant Liverpool supporter who like watched him at Barcelona and seen him in his high points at, you know, in his days at Bayern and and for the Spanish national team and thinks we still have that Tiago. And we don't. He's a different player now. He actually plays more like a Liverpool midfielder now, but he's never been a defender. He can't press. He really can't tackle as much as we give him credit for crazy eyes popping up and yelling about an art, like arguing with referees. He doesn't really play the defensive side of the ball well. And for all the tricky passes and all the the wonder balls he can play that no one else sees, it doesn't fit our overall style of play. And I feel like Klopp has wanted to make it work because Klopp wanted him so bad. And, like, we kill Kata for being, like, a terrible transfer. But, like, Tiago genuinely has never fit this puzzle. And we've changed the pieces around to make it fit. And I think because he's played every minute of every game this year, I've seen it so much. I actually started to recognize it. And he got hurt. And it isn't shocking to me that our midfield has had their two best matches since.
0: I think what the deal is, and I th- I don't know if Thiago has regressed so much. I think this was Thiago all along in terms of, you know, Bayern says he's super talented, and he still is. I mean, when you watch the dude, his control, what he does and stuff, is a joy to watch. You know, that, that's Absolutely. all and dandy. And I don't think he's regressed skill-wise that much. I just think his pace does not fit this. And I think this should be a lesson to all those Liverpool fans out there who were bitching and moaning. When we had like an industrious midfield, which was not fancy, but played fast, won the ball, got the ball to those guys who can make something with it up top in front three with Mo, Mane, and Bobby at the time. But no, we have to have a creative midfielder. This, we were scoring goals left and right. But Correct. people were still saying, we need a creative midfielder. Well, there you go. Here's your creative midfielder. But here's the thing. You know, you watch him in Barcelona. You watch him in Spain. I mean, the way those teams play, I mean, the tic is like very slow, very slow buildup. It's more like a city-like buildup, not the way we play where we want to press. We want to win the ball back right away, make the other team run and chase us around and create and get to the ball to the guys yep. that are going to be dangerous. He just does not fit there. I think Thiago was that piece that when we got him, I was more like, you know, you have a game where you cannot open up Burnley or Bournemouth or whatever at home. In comes Thiago uh, against the more tired, uh, ragged defense that has been running back and forth and kind of like starts distributing and he's fresh, he can do those things. I never envisioned them or wanted them as being one of the three to start the midfield.
1: Yeah, I and, and <clears throat> we called him a luxury signing, right? When yep. he came in, we were like, "He's a luxury signing. He fills a role." And honestly, I I just don't believe that he's ever actually filled a role. And I think what he ended up doing was was he became this like savior in some ways who doesn't score goals or create goals. So not only does he slow the ball down, <laughs> he actually <laughs> hasn't helped us break down. The low blocks that play that way against us. No, I mean, it has not work he,
0: basically. It, yeah.
1: it just hasn't worked. It If you were being fair, this has been a failed transfer. And I know we won a league cup and an FA cup, nil, nil on penalties. That wasn't because we signed Tiago. Genie yeah. could have run up and down the pitch and helped us to nil, nil draws. I mean, that's like, and, and, we all know what Jeannie actually did for this club, like helping us win big matches and scoring big goals and big times. And it's not, it's not a shot at Tiago, but Henderson looks better because Bashitch is playing on the left. And Fabinho looks better because there isn't a liability in the middle of the midfield. Robertson looks better because he knows where like midfielders will be when it comes to him going forward. Like, at, there's just a better balance without Tiago there. There is no surprise to me that I feel the most confident going into tomorrow's match because of the last two full performances I saw in the Premier League. And they're the first two times Tiago hasn't started a match since October.
0: Yes. And I think, you know, like the trio, like I say, I mean, having Fab better than what he was and Henderson a lot better than what he was. Henderson did have some dreadful performances earlier. Uh, he's looking more and more like his regular self. And I think you just definitely want to see that. You know, it's just what I like about when Henderson is on the field is the fact that, like I say, he the ball moves a lot faster. And I think, you know, Basetich is still going to play the simple ball. And honestly, that second goal is mainly created, that number advantage is mainly created with the sweet turn and yep. sudden like facing up, which is something that we're used to seeing Fabinho do a lot of in the past. Not so much recently. And you were able to see that. Yeah. Um, Enfield Road TV is here. What's going on, man? And he says, Everton Newcastle game show, we move the ball much quicker playing to a sixes. And I think that's the thing. It's defensively a lot more harder working, I guess. And I'm not I'm not like suggesting that Thiago was lazy, but you, like you were saying, his defensive side is not as effective. And I think he's the kind of guy that likes to take chances a bit more. And, you know, like he wants to do that sweet, smooth pass instead of sometimes... The simple pass next to the guy. And that's what I like. I was talking about, I think, last week. I love seeing Anderson moving up with the ball, seeing a wide open Mo and just feeding it to him right away. Instead of kind of like rolling around his ankle, looking this way, looking that way, and let Mo go with it. Let's Gakpo go with it. Let Nunez chase it. And I think that's what this really attack is really built on more well, speed and like playing fast.
1: I think we also saw the best. I'd argue you've seen the best. Um, Of Trent going forward In the last couple matches Especially yeah. against Newcastle And granted it was 10 men right But I feel like you see Trent throwing balls into the box You see Trent getting into tough spots And I honestly think that has a lot To do with the fact that he knows What Henderson expects Of him Playing as the right yeah. back behind him And and more than anything He knows what Henderson will do and more or less say, should he not be in the right places? But I but I think right now a guy like Trent needs that leadership, like needs a little bit of a kick in the ass. And I think that's what doesn't happen if Kita's playing in front of you, Elliot's playing in front of you. Yeah. You know, hell, even Milner's playing in front of you. I think right now Henderson has that right side of the midfield. And I'd argue that I've liked the kid on the left side of the midfield in the last two matches with Fabinho in his normal six-hole even better than I like the kid in the six-hole, and I think the kid's been the best player since January 1st at the club. Yes. Like, I think he looks better where he gets to go a little bit more forward and drift into different spots. I think he has a real, real range of talents, and I think he can make all the passes, and I think he also does the defensive side of the job and right now there is a balance in the midfield we haven't seen since probably like last January February, March when we were when we started to just start to tick downwards, and guys started to get tired, like right when Diaz took over and picked us up by the scraps
0: Yes, because it looks a lot more organized. You don't have, like, sudden drops of, like, how the hell did that happen? A couple of times we were caught on the counter, which was kind of, like, head-scratching. And I'll be honest, like, I always felt, like, watching the game, if that kept going 11 the 11, I think that game was going to go better for us. I mean, anybody who's played knows when the other team goes down to 10... You know, we've all been in these situations. The other, the moment the other team goes down to 10, you're like, all right, this is gonna be a lot easier now. And automatically, you I mean, it's we're we're all human, right? I know these guys are pros, but there's a psychological, you know, like a relaxation going on, and at the same time, we will probably will be on the other side, especially if you play with the people I freaking used to play with, uh, where you're suddenly down to 10, man, and then It's like the reverse goes for the team that's with 10 where they have to say, uh, we got to really freaking get going if we have any shot at this because now we're down to 10. So everybody actually works harder and a bit more alert than they normally are. And that's why I felt like if that game went 11 v 11, I think we had him when we were going to score more goals a lot easier. I felt the moment it went 11 v 10, we kind of, almost like we treated the 33rd minutes. Like it was the 75th minutes, the way we really slow things down.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, we were up two nil before the red card. So yeah, I mean, and I think you're right. I think 11 V 11, especially down two nil at home, they probably have to come out of what they want to do against us and try to score, try to create because They are ahead of us on the table. I mean, they're they're vying for a top four spot. They're getting ready for a a, you know, their first cup final in thirty years or whatever it is, trying to first cup first opportunity to win a cup, I think if they win it is 67 or 70 years, something like I'm that. Crazy, since yeah. Newcastle's won a, a, a trophy. I think they made a cup final since then and lost, but still like, this is big for them to go into it. So I think they would have actually come at us, which would have given us more of a chance to actually hit them. Yeah. Once they went down to 10 men, two things are going to happen, right? They're going to close up shop and start defending more with more guys behind the ball, which makes it harder for us clearly. And two, we know we're up two goals and we have Madrid on Tuesday. So we are going to kind of treat it like a training session. And it got scary. There were a couple opportunities. They almost scored there in the second half. And I kept saying to people when it was like 70th, 75th minute, and they had those couple chances, I was like, do not let them fucking stick one in the net. Because if we have to go squeaky bum time Against 10 men This will will all be for nothing (laughs) And and then all of this goodwill And all this work And Gakpo and Nunez And everything would have been for nothing If we had to hang on And just squeak one out Against 10 man Newcastle After their keeper gets sent off For handling the ball What a moron That's like, and I have to say, it's been there, done
0: that, but uh, yeah, the goalie, so I didn't get the red card. Where like your brain halfway through changes what it wants to do, but there's a lag going to the rest of your body. <laughs> like, you're just like, you do those like occasional, like, I'm gonna show, oh, nope, it's going too far, and then you just kind of like stick your hand out and get a stupid handball. I mean, been he just that, but he, he a red li- a
1: player. he's literally like, and I'm looking at it going. Like did he forget where he was? Did he think he was on the line? Does he not realize he is ha- he is at the halfway line? And then I mean, what he, it was a red that, what was all like day.
0: Fifth minute or something, right? He was all the way out there. That was a great ball to Nunez. And I think we're going to get to Nunez next. I feel like we are learning more and more. Like his teammates are learning more and more. Like the balls that are going to be effective, uh, not to his feet, but like ahead of him, like make him go get it and scare that back. Knowing there's a full speed freaking Nunez coming behind you, kind of a deal. And I think it was like a beautiful ball. I think it was like the fourth or fifth minute. And he freaking like Pope came out, and I was like, "Damn, man! If he's not there, you know, I mean, he was like just like he would have lapped Trippier. It looked like the way that like chase was going, and." he tries to do the same thing again. And I think he like, kind of like took two steps back, misjudged the ball, tried to head it, couldn't head it. And I think once, once he, he did out, that, that's time the yeah. instinct takes over and you're like, yeah, I'm not letting this mistake already yeah. look like an asshole. Let's not make it a goal kind of thing.
1: I, I do. I, I feel for him purely because I don't one. He's been arguably like Trippier's probably their player of the season. Him and Almiron, right. They're like one uh, yeah. a and one B. It's not fair to not credit Nick Pope. They've given up 14 yeah. total goals in the Premier League. They have the best defense, and it's an Eddie Howe coach team. And the only real change there is Nick Pope. Yes. And yeah. he has put – I mean, that's not a great back four. It's a good back four. He's organized them brilliantly. He's been amazing. Like, it, the fact that he gets that stupid, boneheaded, red card – And now has to sit out a cup final. It is insult to injury. And then the fact that Dubrovka played (laughs) two cups matches for United. So he can't play. And now Karius is going to start in net. I mean, our guy Karius, and I hope the son of a bitch shows up, has a fucking blinder. I hope he is literally like... Like old man Schmeichel revisited with the crazy ass Jersey popping up and fucking saving balls, yelling at people, but looking like a beautiful Instagram model at the same time, which is something that Schmeichel never could pull off. Um, that and the insight of, I'm not sure how today's going to go. Yes. Michael's grades
0: pregame insights. I don't know what's going to happen back to you in the studio. <laughs> that's,
1: uh, they, I like to say like, it's like the old major league thing. Like they don't call him the best color commentator in the sport for nothing. Like, <laughs> like, uh, but, but I hope carius is great. And I hope they win. Um,
0: yeah, that, I felt for him on that one. And honestly, I was like, man, I didn't want that. I didn't want him to lose out against United. We want him to be able to go beat United, you know, so that kind of hurt the chances. But yeah, it's not – I do hope carius comes out and, like, just uh, saves penalties to win that final or it would something be like amazing. that, that would be a dream. I mean, because that's the kind of thing – I. Th- think would kind of put him back on the right track god forbid he has a bad game Uh, that would be kind of like yes the redemption begins now says matuj and i agree well it has to it has to
1: it can't actually go the opposite direction like the guy has had it hasn't gotten not one iota better since kiev he's gone on loan it's gotten worse he He's was got Germany, horrific games
0: when he was in Turkey. Just in Turkey,
1: terrified. he had he had a couple of some. He had moments in Turkey that made his afternoon in Kiev look like a walk in the park. Yes. I saw him actually kick a ball into his own net in Turkey. He kicked a ball, a free kick off a defender that went in for an own goal. Like shit, you can't make up. Like yeah, when it goes wrong, like, it goes wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I think there were multiple clubs trying to buy him out of his contracts, and like, and to a man, I'll give I'll give the people at Newcastle. They say he's been like an absolute like pro, and like they really like him. But then I also heard some rumblings today that they were bringing in goalkeepers. So they might actually be thinking about signing like some field goal
0: kickers in the NFL. Like, they're like, like
1: that guy's going to kick in the
0: background just in case. Like,
1: <laughs> I feel like I feel like they're actually considering signing a guy seventy-two hours out and giving him a League Cup start in a final <laughs> and being like, "But don't worry, Carius, we believe in you. You are a third keeper. You're right, boy. You're right, guy. Like, yeah.
0: I, like I say, I hope he does play and he plays like a great game and kind of like." Is the stepping stone to bring things back together for him. Like I said, nothing against the dude. I don't think he handled the misery well, but he—I don't know. It's like probably hard for a young kid to handle that kind of a fiasco in the world stage too. But like I say, I just don't think he approached it well enough. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Uh, Let's go back. I mean, as we kind of like look ahead to tomorrow over here, the front three. I mean, the biggest scare out of that entire game was the Nunez injury. I initially thought. He was kind of like faking it so that he there's no red card check or something like that. Doing the I got hurt too out of this kind of an ordeal. But obviously, he does that sprint, then comes out. There was kind of like a worry. Um, we had like a bunch of us playing Doctor uh on Discord, trying to like kind of like figure out what it was, but he was pra- practiced today and sounds like he'll be able to start tomorrow. I know Club kind of like threw it at him almost, like depends on if it's like how much pain he can like depends on the pain and stuff. And I feel like I mean, you would have to have your shoulder on the floor for Nunez to say, no man, it's hurting. I'm not gonna play. But you mentioned earlier, Bobby, are you replacing Gakpo? Or are you replacing Nunez just in case?
1: So originally I would have <clears throat> I would have said this feels like an opportunity for Gakpo to move back to the bench. It's his first champions league I said match. I thought
0: you were going to say Ox. Okay, go ahead. Oh no,
1: no, no. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Ox is not on the champions league roster. So there are zero opportunities <laughs> the rest of the way for Ox. Um, but I, I think, yeah, I think I would, I think this is not, I would have originally said this is an opportunity to send Gakpo back to the bench the kid has started every single match he's played for Liverpool. Yeah. It's pretty insane. Like it's probably time for him to get a little break, a little breather, a little watch from the bench, come on as a sub. So for me, it would have been Bobby in the middle, Nunez on the left, Mo on the right. With the injury being a chance and not knowing if you get 90 minutes, because, you know, you never know. He could hit the ground. He could hurt his shoulder. Um, if it's if it's if and if he's in pain, then maybe you just leave him on the bench and then you have him come off and and be that chaos. Ideally, I would have had Mo Nunez and Bobby. I just feel like in a match like this, you want Bobby starting your press from the from up top. I think their midfield is one of the few areas Madrid still has, you know, if Modric is playing. Their yeah, they have a midfield, yours. right?
0: He's like a one man no, midfield. If
1: if if he is playing, their midfield's better than yours. It doesn't matter which of our midfielders are playing, and it doesn't matter. The Champions League final showed it. it. Doesn't matter if your midfielders are at top form. If Modric is in the other midfield, they're better than you.
0: But honestly, if you go back to that final, I was thinking about that earlier today. I mean, that was a game where if Courtois does not stand on his heads. That game should be an easy win. So I feel like, you know, it's a balance. Having Kroos and Schumann out kind of helps the cause in that sense. I don't know. For the front three, I almost want to keep riding this momentum. I think these guys feel good. And the fact that it is home, I think, is an advantage. If it was away, I would definitely have said Bobby. But I think Nunez is the kind of guy that can energize the stadium and get him back in the game if they're out. You know what I mean? Like some of the things he does, just a sprint he does, just a chase he does, That like little things that he can bring. I don't think you get that as much. You know, Bobby can do a fancy pass, but it's not the same thing as that, you know, the Nunez chance starting and people getting into the game because... I don't know he harassed the hell out of the right back cuz he's going like 120 miles an hour or something like that. That's I think the only reason and not the fact, I mean, not to mention I feel like they got something going and they feel like they have something going. That goal to Gakpo does not happen probably like a month ago between the interplay and stuff like that and I feel like they're putting it together. Ride the wave. And that's why. And then you kind of like spilled the beans already and put Matip instead of Gomez. Correct? Yeah.
1: I just, I just feel like you have to do something. Like, listen, we got a lot of matches coming again. Like, I know we're not going to play as many as last year, but we're going to play a lot of matches. And we're just now getting players back. So, like, this idea of like sending the same team out three times in eight days just seems like you're just like acting. Absolute Liverpool like hey Insert head pound on Table here like Come on like we're just Getting we're just getting our guys Back because we've actually Got guys rested like we need to Rotate guys and make sure that they stay fit And until Kanate gets Here you need Gomez and Matip to be healthy and I think You know As much as I Would like to have a little bit more speed maybe To help Trent I just feel like there's there's something about rotating there. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally I mean, off and my tip is hurting.
0: Reason, what you just said with the speed is the only reason that I feel like, man, you might need Gomez against Vinicius. Just because of the pace that's coming that, that left-hand side. You might need that. I kind of liked what I saw out of Gomez. And Gomez is a different player, obviously, with Van Dijk next to him. I think in the center. Absolutely. With Van Dijk next to him. I think it's more about... At least you know, like, well, that side is covered. I just got to take care of my own shit and not worry about what if happens if he misses his guy and stuff like that. I think that confidence helps whoever plays with him. Even though it's not the Van Dyke of old, it's still a thing. The only thing that I do not like about Gomez is, and you would think he would be a lot better with this is his distribution when he's mm-hmm. when building up play. And, I mean, you would think as a guy who plays right back and stuff, he'd be a lot more comfortable pushing up with the ball. And his clearances, man. I it's like not to the. I mean, this is something that you yell at, like you know, in the U six games where you're like, not to the middle, not towards the middle. And you know, every header he clears, it's just like to the middle of the. Like it's like that's you what know, the dude, number nine is trying to do, like bring. Like, it down. you, there. you literally
1: it. just you just knock the ball down to the freaking the guy off the striker. Yeah, like, he heads the do ball like, down.
0: But I do like how he kind of like sweeps in a way at times, like an old school sweeper where he comes behind Trent and cleans those long balls and stuff like that. Yeah, Brian says his clearances scare me because I feel like it's almost like I'm just going to get a body on this. Like, I'm just going to get a foot on this. I'm just going to get a head on this. I'm going to deflect it one way or the other. But where it ends, he doesn't always, I think, consider. Sometimes you're just better off. You know, doing it out of bounds or whatever it is, instead of just getting it, you know, like a foot to it or a head to it barely and putting it in a dangerous spot. And I feel like he does that sometimes. That's one thing I think sets a good center back like Van Dyke is. And he's slowly getting there is the way when he cut off balls, like, you know, like long balls that were kicked in. And when he brought him down, he almost was stunning an attack the way he brought those balls down and put him back into play. We did lose a little bit of that. I've been, I been I saw a lot more of it this game. I guess we'll see how it goes moving forward. But I thought that was always his biggest strength. Is like he would any center back. You can put Phillips over there. You know, can't head the ball away. He can't put his head anywhere. But it's a matter of you know not giving that possession back and you know bringing it down to Trent, bringing it down to Henderson or Robo, or even if it's like to Ally and stuff like that. So. But let's get a score prediction from you. This one is a scary one for me. Let's see where you're at with this.
1: So I've gone back and forth today on this one. Um, No, I I, I really have. I I believe, I I want to believe that Liverpool will move on from this tie. And I think that this is an opportunity to strike at them because they aren't fully healthy and they're not on top form but they're still Real Madrid in the Champions League. So you know what's showing up. You know, a squad of really talented players, dressed in all white, prancing around your pitch, rolling around, getting more calls than you at home. I don't know how it happens, but it does. Um, I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool and we advance.
0: 3-1 is what I was hoping for. I just feel like this game is going to go really good. Or really bad. I just don't see like a stalemate on this unfortunately because they're a team I mean that's the thing, they're not having their best season but we were talking about this earlier today on the Discord channel too that it's, this is all they have in some ways too and you know, they have the experience for this. Razor's edge as Brian says or as Schmeichel would say, I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow
1: I have no uh, idea what's going to happen but it'll be sharp <laughs>
0: And that's the thing. I think, you know, it's, this is all they have. And like you said, this is where I'm at in the Champions League. It's like, this is their tournament. They feel, you know, that when I look back, uh, I was like, just, you know, fell in the YouTube hole the other day and watching like that Barcelona game again, because that's what I do. Uh, I, I mean, that was what was so amazing. I thought, you know, this was done to a team that feels comfortable in the Champions League. It's almost like a, Spanish League Cup match for them in some ways. Like, they're comfortable. You play against a team like, you know, there are other teams in the Champions League like that, like Benfica and Club Rouge and stuff like that. This is like a bigger ordeal for them. And sometimes that's the event is too big for them. Like, the atmosphere is too big for them. You're never going to get that out of Real. They just have, like, way too much experience there. Alan says it's hard to call, but I like 3-1, but I expect 2-1. Champions League is all that day and Liverpool have left to save their seasons. We didn't get a chance to talk about that, but obviously these two wins kind of has put us back in the top four conversation as well. But I'm hoping next Monday when we talk, uh, it will be even a bigger top four Hey, lights light started going
1: out Um <laughs> Before all the lights go out in the studio Over here Ultimately uh, yeah. that is a telltale sign That we are wrapping up As the lights <laughs> are starting to shut down in our studios Or we don't pay the yeah, bills well, One that the thing other. scarier than me bright Is me in the dark
0: So nobody wants to see that And I hurt the ratings even more So we'll wrap it up over here Let's hope for a great win tomorrow I think So a two goal win would make you comfortable Going back to Spain
1: I think two goals makes me comfortable because, well, one, there's no more road goals, so we don't have to worry about that. I think we score one, and I think if you're up two and you get one, now you're up three, and at least at the absolute worst, in a train wreck, you get to extra time. So I'm confident if we go back there with two-goal lead, we're coming out of it to the quarterfinals.
0: Yeah, we're on the same page there. I think, you know, because I I do agree that we score there and that forces them to score four. And honestly, if you score the first one over there, I think you're in good shape. So, but yeah, let's hope, like I say, I never felt really, really good after the Everton game, even though it feels good to beat up on Everton because it was Everton. Uh, I feel like, you know, a Newcastle team, that's a lot better than Everton, the way we played. And I know it was shaky at times, but really when we really played, the first 20 minutes when our mind was in it and our full focus was in there, I think it was kind of like flashbacks of old. I think afterwards, the tangman and the minds yeah. are going to the Tuesday game and stuff like that. I think that's natural. And I that's part of the reason I felt you know he did so many subs too. Not to save legs. Not only to save legs, but also... You could tell, like some of the players were already like done with this game, and perhaps like looking ahead. I mean, they're still like human at the end of the day. But Gally, thanks as always, and thanks to all those commenting, sharing, liking, and all that good stuff. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, uh, pre-match or post-match. We'll put just follow the page and you'll get the live broadcast there. And I will be back Wednesday morning with the Egyptian king the egyptian king of american scouser let's not make the same mistake we made last week over here and gordon might be joining us as well uh we'll definitely talk a lot about the champions league game and how we won and how we're pretty much done with this round and all that good stuff galley thanks as always man and then thanks to everybody we'll see you guys soon have a great rest of your week take care